preached in his ministry. And uh, there are some things that Jesus uh, was very direct about his followers, what they would be, what they would do, who they were. And uh, if we're going to call ourselves Christian, we need to live out exactly what Jesus taught and preached. Amen? And uh, at the conclusion of my message today, uh, it's the custom of our church family that we gather together on, on most Sundays. Last Sunday we did not do it, but most Sundays we have a habit where we come to the front. And the purpose that we, reason we do this is so that we can pray and we can pray with one another. And we allow the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the opportunity to minister to us. And uh, why do we do this? It's because, well, we've seen miracles happen. We've seen prayers answered. We've seen people delivered from things that had them bound. And we've seen restoration. That's why we do it. And what I've found is that uh, God can do in a few minutes what I cannot do in a one-hour message. I can preach to you for one hour. I can encourage you, and you can leave here feeling great uh, about where you're at in life, and you can go uh, to work and make it for another week. But I found that God can do a lot more in just that little bit of time at the end than what I can do in the whole message. And so I, I put a priority on that part where we entertain the presence of God. And so God can do anything in that time. I can encourage you, but God can deliver you. Amen? So we're talking about red letters, and I want to preach about being, being. Jesus had a lot to say to his disciples and the people who followed him about being with him. He spoke so much about it that we really cannot cover it all in, in a couple of sermons. So today, I, I kind of want to highlight that. Next week, I'm going to be talking about uh, forgiving, but today I want to talk about being. I have found personally in my life, and I can only speak from my own experience, but in my life, more than anything else that can make an impact on me in my life or how I live, is simply being with Him, being in His Word. It, it's amazing what being in His Word does whenever we change our life to fit His Word. And we submit to the process of God's sanctification in our life. That's what scripture calls it. And sanctification is just a process of cleansing oneself uh, in the name of the Lord. The Lord doing the work in us. And simply being with him out of that time, out of that relationship, flows the joy and the peace and all of the things that scripture talks about. That's where it flows from. Serving others, overcoming my own issues that hold me back. It all flows from that time. And I found that in my own life, when I neglect that time, or I choose, because we can choose, and sometimes we have chosen, I've chosen, that because I'm frustrated with him, or I'm frustrated with something that is being allowed to happen in my life, uh, I don't want to go to prayer at that moment, or I don't want to spend time with him. But I find in those seasons where I either neglect it or I choose not to be involved in it, that I cannot find what I need. I can't find the joy and the peace and 
the things that he has promised me, I just cannot find it because it's not in anything else. It's only in him. It's only in his word. It's where all of the answers to life's problems flow from. And it doesn't offer answers. This is what's amazing about Scripture. There are no answers offered to questions that don't change life. Some of the, some of the questions that people have or we have, how did we get here? It'll answer that, but it's not going to give you details. God created the heavens and the earth. Because really, if you think about it, why am I here other than trying to find a purpose of why I should be living and finding purpose and finding a reason for being here are two separate things. There's really no need for God to give us a direct answer. But He gives us answers over how to change our life, how to live our life that's pleasing to Him. And I found in my own life that I, I cannot find those answers anywhere else. It's not in anyone else. It's not in any other word. And I want to say this to you today. If you don't get anything else out of my message, I want you to understand because you wouldn't be here if you're not a spiritual person. But understand this. You're only as spiritually strong as your prayer life or as your relationship with Him. You're only spiritually as strong as that relationship with Him. Because it's when chaos of life and confusion and the things that happen in life that try and throw us off course, whenever we have a strong relationship with Him, when we have a prayer life, when we know His Word, and when those things happen, we can look to that and we can say, I know what to do. I know where to cling to. I know what to stand upon. I may not have to move. I may not know what direction to go, but I know where I stand. You're only as spiritually strong as your relationship with Him. Paul wrote this in Romans 7, 18 through 19. He was talking about himself. He was talking about flesh. He said, there's no good thing. He said, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will do, or I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. And I believe every one of us can acknowledge here today that there's probably a lot of truth, well, there's 100% truth in what Paul was saying. That we may have a will, we may have a good intention about something, but sometimes we come up short. Amen? This week, I've been trying to reset and get back into my exercise routine after having really enjoyed letting it go for many months, and uh, I couldn't start back in January because I didn't want to be one of those people that started in January and stopped in February, so I let it go until the end of February and March, and I've been trying to get myself back in, in a good routine. Well, let me tell you, I didn't do any of it this week, not the exercise part. I stuck to a diet. But my intentions to get up early and go to the gym, they were just intentions this week. And we can acknowledge there's this warfare that rages inside of us, the desire to do what is right, 
and it may be just in life or it may be in activities or even it may be spiritually what we want to do that is right. But there's also another side that keeps us from achieving and doing. Because there's also no ability in us, and we're talking about spiritual things, I may use some physical things to, to, to share a point, but there's no ability to accomplish spiritual outcomes from within our flesh. There's no ability to accomplish spiritual outcomes from within our flesh. I have no flesh. I do not have enough talent, enough power, enough strength in myself to make this church answer the problems that people have when they walk in the door on a Sunday morning. And that's one of the reasons that we have pre-service prayer. How many of us were at pre-service prayer? Say amen. Amen. We have pre-service prayer because I've learned it's not out of flesh. The people who get up in here and sing and play, I'm thankful for their talent of being able to hear a tune and being able to, to match at least in the range right and stay, sing the right thing. I said that wrong. Our people, they sing perfectly great. But you, talent is not going to get it done. You can't do something in the spirit from the flesh. It must be a spiritual thing. Spiritual outcomes happen not from flesh but from spirit. And that's what Paul was talking about. He was saying, you know, in my flesh there's no good thing. I can't make spiritual things happen out of my flesh. I have the desire to do righteousness. I have the desire to live right before God. I have the desire to see things change in my life. But I have a problem because it's not in my flesh. And so intention and ability are two separate things. Intention and ability are two separate things. I may intend to run a four-second 40-dash run, which is a measurement in football, if you don't know. And if you know, four-second would be a new world record. That would be amazing. I would be flash, is what I would be. But my intention and my ability are two separate things. Because I don't have the ability. I'm a very tall very slow, overweight man. My ability and my attention do not line up. And when it comes to spiritual things, most of us have good intentions. We intend to pray. We intend to read the Bible. We intend to know more of Scripture and have it memorized. How many of you are with me? You'd love to have more memorized. I wish I had a mind like some of my friends. They just look at a Scripture and it's in there, it's locked in, they'll never have to look for it again, possibly. At least that's the way it seems to me. We intend to witness more, we intend to serve more, we intend, we intend, we intend, and intention is good, but without ability, our intention goes nowhere. And so I want to talk to you today about the things that are keeping you from your God-given destiny. Hebrews refers to them as weights and sins. Hebrews 12 and 1, Therefore we also, 
since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. You don't have to necessarily be in sin to be held back from what God wants to do. You can just have some weights you've picked up in life. He said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Easily, easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You and I are in a race. We're running. And the weights and snares of this life, the sins of this life, will slow us down and they will keep us from accomplishing what God intends for us to accomplish. But here's the thing. It is not as challenging as we think it is to finish the race strongly. It's really quite simple. But you know what we do? We like to take simple things and we like to make them complicated. And I'll tell you my theory behind this. This is theory. This is not theology. My theory is that we like to take simple things and make it more complicated because if it's really complicated, then it's easier for me to fail at it and I can live with the failure. It's really simple for me to lose weight and to exercise. I've just got to set my alarm, get my clothes on, go to the gym, the times that I've appointed to go to the gym. That's not complicated. I can do that. Should be doing that. And then I just control what I put into my mouth. That's not hard until you have to exercise the willpower. But really, it's not that difficult but what I like to do is I, make, I like to take it and make it complicated so that it's easy to fail and feel okay with it. There's nothing difficult about having a relationship with God. When we understand our own limitations and we understand the enemy's plan to interrupt God's plan, and we understand God's answer for all of the things in our life. What we must do and what we can do becomes very clear. And it becomes very simple for us to live it out. But here's the challenge. And I think you'll agree with me. Every few centuries, we label an age. We have the Bronze Age. We take a bunch of centuries and put it together. That's the Bronze Age. We take another grouping. We say that's the Industrial Age or the age of the automobile, whatever we're talking about. It's that age. This is the age of the Internet. We live in this age of technology. And really, I think we should change the name of it because it's really the age of distraction. It's the age of distraction. We can constantly be distracted. I have to force my kids to take a ride in the vehicle without watching a video, without taking their phone out, without pulling out a Nintendo Switch, because they want to be distracted constantly. 
and I have to tell them, no, we're driving five minutes down the road. You can handle five minutes. Any other parent relate to my pain? If you got real little kids, don't feel bad. We got a three-year-old. We're like, please give her something to be entertained. <laughs> but we live in this age of distraction. Researchers have started to note how distracted workers are by the technology they're using. It has a negative impact on performance. In one study, it's by 20% or even higher that every time there's a distraction, that, that work is impacted negatively by 20%. An experiment done by Carnegie Mellon showed the drastic dip in performance when people get interrupted by a distraction. And we, one of the researchers said, we expected the interrupted group to make some mistakes. That's kind of expected. But the results were truly dismal, especially for those who think of themselves as multitaskers. During this first test, both, interrupt, un, both interrupted groups answered correctly 20% less often than members of the control group who were uninterrupted. In other words, the distraction of an interruption combined with the brain drain of preparing for that interruption made our test takers 20% dumber. That's enough to turn a B-minus student, 80%, into a failure at 62%. And I'm sharing just this research with you to show you we live in a distractive world. We live in a very distracted place. And everything is vying for your attention. And if you're not intentional about where you put your focus and your intention, you're going to find yourself a day later and you're saying, well, I forgot to pray. I didn't pray this morning. Or I didn't read my Bible. And I found when the days where I'm unintentional and I don't have a plan, I wake up and I just start the day. That's when everybody's email is coming to me and saying, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you... And I'm getting text messages and phone calls. And I'm distracted from some of the things that should be priority in my life. And here's the thing. I'm not surprised that in this last day generation, we would find ourselves in a distracted age. Because Satan would like nothing better than to distract you with small things that will keep you from becoming what you're supposed to be in Jesus Christ. And he will do it so subtly that we won't even notice. Listen to the description that Daniel gives of the Antichrist and his attack upon the saints in Daniel 7, 25. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. The word persecute there in its literal translation means to wear out. He will wear you out. He's going to wear you out with distraction. He's going to wear you out by putting your energy on other things. He's going to wear you out. That's what he wants to do. And the spirit of Antichrist, John said in 1 John 4 and 3, that the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. 
This world of distraction is working against you, trying to keep you in the flesh and not in the spirit and keep you from your destiny in God. In other words, Satan will wear you out. He will keep you distracted. He will keep you away from what you know you need to be more than the conqueror God wants you to be. He'll keep you from doing those things so that you'll stay right where you're at in a stagnant spiritual relationship with God. It's distraction from spiritual things. And we too easily fall for this ploy. Why do we fall? Why do we fail? Because we allow we allow the flesh and its intentions to reign in our life. But there's an answer. And the only answer I'm going to tell you, it's not, see, we're in this microwave generation. Everyone wants it easy, and I'm not, I'm not bashing that. Believe me, I'm a microwave generation. I want it easy too, but I'm finding it's not so easy. The thing we have to do is we have to spend time with God in prayer. We have to know His Word. The majority of Christians now don't even know the Word of God. They are not familiar with the Word of God. And we've got to get back to doing some things that generations before us did in a less distracted environment. And I know that means going against the grain of culture. That means breaking yourself away from some things. But it's living intentionally to reap the benefits of what God has promised us in His Word. And that's my challenge for you today is to be what God intends you to be. And the only way to be what God intends us to be is to get into His Word, to spend time with Him, to abide with Him, to be in the presence of God. Because you're only as spiritually strong as your prayer life. You see, Christian, and here's the greatest lie the enemy has ever brought to our generation and I'm about to confront and challenge some things that you may have heard your entire life. Just let me, allow me to use the Word of God to show you what I mean. Being Christian is more than saying that I believe Jesus died for my sins. It is more than praying a sinner's prayer and saying I accept Jesus as my Savior. When you really get into the Word of God, there's much more that is put in there about what being Christian is. Being Christian is believing so much of what the Lord tells you and the Word of God tells you that you're willing to obey. You're willing to cast off all of the restraints of flesh and cast off all of the restraints that society would put on us and all of the direction that Antichrist and the spirit of Antichrist would like to funnel everyone into. It's believing so much that you say, I know that it doesn't make sense. It doesn't look right in this generation. It doesn't fit the mold, but I'm willing to throw it all off because I want to be obedient to the experience that God has for me and pursue everything that God has because I know that in that, that's where the blessing is at. That's where the blessing is at. Being Christian is believing so much that you'll obey. I'll show you an example. John chapter 3, Jesus is talking with Nicodemus. And he tells him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see 
the kingdom of God. Now imagine Nicodemus, he's a spiritual guy. He sits on the Sanhedrin. He's experienced. He knows the word of God. And Jesus comes to him and confront, or he comes to Jesus. And when he comes, Jesus confronts him with saying, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And of course, Nicodemus says, how? How is that even possible? What do you mean by that? And Jesus follows up in verse 5, and he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now listen to this next statement Jesus makes. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. You and I cannot do what God wants to do in the flesh. We have to be born of something else. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. You know what that means? That means every good thing that I do in my flesh, that's just my flesh. That's not righteousness. Because what makes it righteous is the Spirit of God. See, this is the confusion we have in our world. We wonder, why would good people go to hell? Why would God send good people to hell? It's not about being good and bad. It's about being righteous and being unrighteous. And the only way to be righteous is to have God make you righteous. God declares what is righteous and unrighteous. And what righteous means, it just means simply right. God looks at one person and says, they've obeyed, they're right with me. And he looks at another person and he says, I didn't know you. Meaning you're, you weren't right. And that's a difficult thing for us to understand because we want to measure everything by what's good and not good. God measures on a different level than humanity what is righteous and not righteous. And even the good things that I do in my flesh, it is still flesh. The Lord says, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. What is he talking about? He's talking about being born of the water and born of the Spirit. He's talking about being baptized into the name of Jesus, and he's talking about being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about a singular spiritual experience that man cannot do. You and I can go to a bathtub and get washed multiple times, but that's not spiritual. That's a work of the flesh. Well, whenever we go to a water tank and we go down in the name of Jesus Christ, putting that upon ourselves, that is a spiritual thing because it's a, it's a complete agreement between belief and the Word of God. That's what faith does. And being born of the Spirit, that's a complete work of the Spirit. It's a confirmation of the obedience and the surrendering of a heart to God. John 3:16, one of the most quoted verses by people in scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And everyone takes that scripture and takes it out of context because the only context that that can be read in is in the context of what Jesus just said. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. 
See, it's completely misunderstood that just believing is simply enough. Because that's not what Jesus was making. The statement Jesus makes can only be taken in context of that conversation. In other words, the only begotten Son is given so that everyone who believes, that word is pisteo, it's a Greek word that means trust. Whoever trusts is born of the water and born of the Spirit should have everlasting life. That's what Jesus was saying. He was saying, if you trust me enough, you're going to do what I've directed you to do. And in doing that, I'm going to save you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to wash you. Notice Jesus says, whoever believes in him should not perish. And that leaves open the door that there could be some who believe but still do perish. Because if I look at my children and I say, well, you should not do that. It gives them the opportunity. They could choose to do that anyway. Should and will not are two separate things. You see, it's been so misunderstood for so long. And the word here in 3.16 is apatheo. The person who does not believe, apatheo, who does not obey. The person who does not obey, does not obey what? does not obey what Jesus taught and preached, a birth of water and of spirit. And I want to challenge you today, if you've not obeyed what Jesus and the apostles taught and preached, I want to encourage you to take that step of faith. Trust God enough that in His plan, what He gave in His Word, that He will do in you what He's done in so many others before that have surrendered to His plan for their life. And if this is the first time that you've ever heard it presented to you in this way, I I want you to understand it and I want to show you it. And so if you have questions, you come and we'll go into the Scripture because it's really, this is the bedrock of everything that God will do in your life. It's Scripture right here. It's not my opinion. It's not the opinion of some other preacher. It's not the opinion of your co-worker. It's what God promised in His Word. And I'll get in the Word of God with you and I'll show you exactly what I am talking about because it's not often preached. And if you have experienced a new birth, the thing that we're directed to do is to be. Being. Being Christian is remaining in Him. John 15, this is where we're going to go for the bulk of the rest of my message, and I'm almost done. John chapter 15, verse 1. He said, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. We discussed this in life group this week. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. But this, my Father, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Listen, Jesus is not talking to two separate groups. He's not talking to believers and unbelievers. He is talking and addressing those who are following him who believe in him. The reason we know that is because he says, you are already clean because of my words. You're already clean. You're a believer. He said, but I'm going to challenge you. And there are three things that he challenged in his words where he said, abide, abide. And abide just simply means be or live in or uh, like a fish swimming in. It means staying in something. He said, abide in me. And the results of abiding in Him, having a relationship with Him, spending time with Him, the results are the fruit of the Spirit and only what can be produced out of time with Him. If you're a Christian, you are to abide in Him. And that results in the spiritual fruit that is talked about in Scripture. And it results in souls that are brought into the kingdom. There is only going to be branches left at the end that have produced something with the spiritual life God has given them. And here's the thing that is challenging about abiding in Him. He said, if you abide in Me, there's going to be branches with no fruit. Those branches will be cut away. They'll be taken, thrown, burned. They'll be in the fire. The branches that do bear fruit, they're going to be pruned. We get so frustrated when we're in a relationship with God, we're serving God, and then life starts cutting on us. But the cutting process is the same whether you're bearing fruit or not bearing fruit. Both get cut. One gets destroyed, one produces more fruit. So I welcome the pruning of God because I want fruit in my life. I want the fruit of the Spirit. I want souls. I want what the kingdom calls fruit because I don't want to be cut to be discarded. I want to be cut to produce. But it only comes in abiding in Him and abiding in His Word. The second challenge He gives is my words abide in you. And He says, ask what you desire. What is that? Prayer prayer if you'll pray if you'll ask it shall be done why because my words abide in you my words so notice the the whole time he's talking about abiding abiding in him what is that that's our relationship with him praying fostering the love of the lord being more Christ-like, becoming like Him. The second is abiding in my Word. That's being in the Scripture. And you can't be in the Scripture on an app that gives you one Scripture a day. So I'm going to challenge you. Now listen, if you're not doing any reading of the Word of God, start with one Scripture a day. That's great. 
But if you're just reposting a scripture on Facebook, that's not abiding in the Word of God. And we wonder why our prayers go up and hit a ceiling and they stop right there. It's because I haven't put this Word so deep into my heart that whenever I pray, I say, this promise, this promise, this promise, this promise. And listen, going and getting one of the books that says the promise books of the Lord and just opening that up and reading it, that's having it in your drawer. That's not having it in your heart. That's not having the word inside of you. I'm challenging everyone today. Musicians can come. I'm about to wrap up. James 4 and 3, he said it like this. He said, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. If I'm in a relationship with God and I'm praying and I know his word, I'm not going to ask a foolish ask. I'm not going to say, Lord... I'm not going to pray the prayer of a 16-year-old. God, give me that Ferrari. I would love that Lamborghini, Lord. Have my parents get me this car. Why? Because I know that that's wasted on foolish pleasures. It has nothing to do with my spiritual life. It has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. It doesn't improve my relationship with God. It's a foolish pleasure. The third challenge that he gives us, the first one, abide in me. The second, abide, my words abide in you. The third is abide in my love. Keep my commandments. When you have the word of God in your heart, you're in a relationship with him, it's easy to know the commandments. You know, there's some things that I do today. I've been walking with the Lord since I was 19 years old. When I was 19, when I was 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, there were some things that I would do that my heart and my conscience never confronted me about. But I, as I grow in relationship with God, this is what happens. The Spirit of God starts to tell me, I, you shouldn't be comfortable with that. You shouldn't be comfortable tell you one time I was, I was watching a movie it wasn't a it wasn't a bad movie it wasn't a horrible movie there was just some things happening in the movie and the spirit of God spoke to me and says why would you get enjoyment out of seeing something that I died to deliver people from and I can tell you years before that I didn't have a relationship with God where his spirit could interrupt that It's abiding in Him, abiding in His Word, abiding in His love. And as we abide, we know more about Him. You know, my wife and I, we just celebrated 16 years. I know, it doesn't look, it doesn't look like I could be married for 16 years. I'm so young and handsome. And 16 years. Doesn't she look awesome? Put up with me for 16 years? I mean, You know, I know a lot more about her. She knows a lot more about me today than we did in year one. And there are some things that I know, like she doesn't have to tell me, I'm not comfortable with you doing that or don't do that again because I've already done it once and she let me know that one time. And so now I know. Or Usually it was like three or four times and then I was like, oh, okay, I get it. 
Why? Because we've abided in our relationship long enough. We know about each other. It's the same thing with God. So here's the key. I want you to understand these two things. Without Jesus, you cannot produce any spiritual thing that you want in your life from the flesh. It's not going to happen. It must come from a spiritual relationship of being with Jesus Christ, being in His Word, and having a relationship with Him. And all of the things that God will give you, because He'll give you visions, He'll give you plans and desires of your heart, of things that He wants to do in your life and ways He wants to use you in His kingdom. Because there's no such thing as just a peasant in the kingdom of God. There's not someone who just occupies space. God has a plan for every one of us. He'll give you those things the only way to arrive at those things is if you get with him you have to shed some things of this life and it's a challenge and you spend time on your relationship with God so if you've been giving in to the distracted world that we live in I want to challenge you this week just this week just do it six six days from now till Sunday and you can do this in six days start with prayer morning. You don't have to pray an hour. You don't have to pray 10 hours. You don't have to be a spiritual giant. You just have to show up. Pray every day. Get the scripture. You want to know where to start? Where where do I start? Go to 1 John and read. 1 John is so encouraging because it talks about the lightness and the darkness and those who are in light, those who are in darkness, but always comes back around and says, if you're in darkness, we can ask and get forgiveness come back to the light so start in 1 John read every day this week and abide in him abide in him if you'll stand with me because you are only as spiritually strong as your relationship with God you're only as spiritually strong as your prayer life and as your knowledge Word of God. And I'm telling you this because, listen, I love you. Your pastor loves you. I want you to excel at what God has called you to do. I want you to experience every promise in this Word of God. I'm going to challenge you. I'm not just going to pat you on the back and say it's going to be okay. I want to challenge you where the rough spots are at because God has more for you. So I'm asking this question today, and this is going right into our altar call. We'll gather here in just a minute. Have you been neglecting the time you should be spending with Jesus Christ? Have you been seeking some consistency, being with Him each day? falling or failing to abide in him and his words and allowing them to abide in you is there fruit in your life because what we're looking for is not in anything this world has to offer everything the world has to offer it's temporary peace it's temporary joy it's temporary freedom 
It's all temporary. Church family, let's let the Lord speak to us for just a moment. God, I want to have your word buried deep in my heart. I want to abide in you. I want to have breakthrough in my life. I want to have all the promises that you've promised to me through your word. I want to have them fulfilled. I want to experience them, God. I want to see miracles. I want to see signs. I want to see wonders. I want to see everything that you promised followers of yours would have in Mark chapter 16. I want to see all of that. I don't want to waste the time that I'm given on this earth with petty things. God, I want to experience you. Church family, if that's your prayer today, I want to invite you to come. Join us at the front. If you're a guest here today, we invite you to come too, but you don't have to. Church family, if we'll gather together, we're going to let the Spirit of the Lord speak to us for just a moment. God challenged you somewhere today in your heart, in your spirit. God challenged you. When I was preaching, he stopped and he said, right there. That's where I'm working on in you. Just let the Spirit of God speak to us.